2: That's a camera, isn't it?
0: There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. Hello. This is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today.
2: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Monday, March 23rd. You are hearing this on Tuesday, March 23rd. 24th. And in an alternate timeline, we would be talking today about how we are just days away from the Cubs and Brewers' Kicking things off for the 2020 MLB season, we would be offering, I assume, Brendan, our annual tradition of projecting the Cubs to win way too many games, uh, getting ourselves way too optimistic, even though we spent all off-season freaking out about the team and debating whether they had made enough moves or anything like that. But that is not the reality that we are living in, as you all are certainly aware. And as we discussed last time, we are still amidst this coronavirus outbreak and global pandemic. So there is no baseball, and we still do not have... As with many things, a definitive timeline or even really a guess on when all of that is going to change. But as we said last time, we want to keep the podcast going. It is a good distraction and form of entertainment for Brendan and myself. And I hope that it is for all of you listening. We heard from a good number of you after the last episode and after we were kind of planning what to do a few episodes ago. That it was a good distraction. You guys do enjoy uh, just something Cubs related to dive into. So we are going to keep up with our schedule and appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Before I bring Brendan in here, uh, probably for most of these episodes, I will start. I'll try to keep it brief. Again, A lot of serious stuff going on in the world right now. I hope that you, your family, your friends are able to take care of yourselves. You're safe. You're healthy. You are practicing social distancing and helping to uh, flatten the curve and get everything back to normal here. Uh, Baseball is far from the most important thing in the world right now, and this conversation should not be misconstrued as to indicate that. But we are going to try to just have some fun, take our minds off of things. It is not to diminish what is going on in the world and the seriousness of this virus outbreak and the seriousness of the situation that a lot of folks find themselves in. So just keep that in mind. And again, I I sincerely hope that wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, you are safe, healthy, and able to navigate this situation. As I said before, a lot of people this hits them very differently. Their, their jobs are affected very differently. Some jobs aren't affected at all. Some jobs don't exist anymore. So wherever you are, I hope that things are okay for you and that you're able to make it through this on the, on the other side. We're, we're all in this together. We are here for you. Um, and we're, we're just going to try to pass the time a little bit and, and, you know, kind of take our mind off things for a little bit. But Brendan, how are you holding up? I, I, We had so many plans for this episode uh, a few weeks ago and what we were going to talk about and, and getting ready for the season and to strap it on. And there will be no strapping it on this week. I've been better. Uh, like you said, I was expecting
1: to come on here and give a 95 plus win projection. It's not going to happen. Hopefully we can do that in about, I don't know, two, three months, give a different type of projection in the same tier. But I'm basically in lockdown, sheltering in place, trying to do my best to not spread the virus. I'm Fully
2: healthy. I know you are fully healthy or staying home. Yeah. So that is where we are in the real world. Last time we discussed game one of the 2016 NLDS, the Cubs beating the San Francisco Giants one to nothing on the strength of eight shutout innings from John Lester and a solo home run into the basket in left field by one Javier Baez. The marquee run for the ring streak or schedule however you want to phrase that is running a bit quicker than this podcast can can keep up with But we're going to cover a little bit of that Giants series, talk about just some stuff there, memories, etc. And they have already moved to the series with the Los Angeles Dodgers in the NLCS. I believe they have already aired Game 1, the Miguel Montero Grand Slam game. We'll talk about that a little bit. And they aired Game 4. A few different, uh, I, I don't know if there's one player you can call that that game it all starts with the Ben Zobrist bunt so I'm gonna go with that that's also the game that Jason Hayward throws out uh, the whiny baby Adrian Gonzalez at home plate you could call it that too whatever you want we're we're, we're here for everything so we'll talk about a little bit of this we'll reminisce on some other things and that's that's really what we got and obviously once this countdown ends we're not just going to you know keep going back to these games. We'll find some other stuff to talk about. We're talking to guests to maybe have some more diverse conversations on this podcast over the next coming days, weeks, etc. and we have some ideas for for different topics and things to Pass the time, so we will get through this together. And as always, if you have any suggestions or topics, things like that, you can hit us up on any of the various platforms. I'm at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related. That is also our Instagram handle with an underscore between the two words. Anyway, uh, as far as anything going on currently, I, I just to update on a couple of things, but. Some of the players are still in Arizona. I know Ian Happ is, I think, staying at a house with some of the minor league guys like Zach Short and also Nico Horner. I've watched them on Instagram play a little tennis, Brendan. They've golfed a little bit. And this morning they were doing uh, some medicine ball workouts. So social media still active. You can keep in with some of the guys. I think Ian Happ. Uh, might be one of the most active right now just because he is constantly around some other players. But I I believe Rizzo, Bodie, Hendricks, Darvish, Brandon Morrow. I'm looking at this article from BleacherNation.com. I think uh, some of those guys are still there. So there's still some, some Cubs stuff going on. And I I think it's got to be a tricky time, as Brett asks in this article, for those guys, because, you know, you really don't know what exactly you're working towards. I know Kyle Schwarber on the Cubs Instagram story yesterday talked about what he's been doing since then and how he's kind of passing the time. And a lot of it, uh, surrounded working out but it, it's got to be tough for these guys brendan to really know I, they they always keep themselves in good shape but there's a difference between good shape and as it would have been in this week hey we're starting a 162 game schedule in four days that kind of shape right so it, it's got to be a tricky time for yeah. some, some of these athletes to really know exactly what they should be doing and, and kind of at what level Right.
1: And a lot of these players, too, they rent houses or apartments or units wherever they're living for the duration of spring training. So I think once after this week ends, a lot of these guys are going to be going back to their offseason homes. And these minor leaguers, for example... They're going to be a little bit in limbo as well, especially without having jobs. And that coupled with maybe not the best training environments, they're going to have to amp things back up once things do get settled down in this country. So I imagine after this week, you're going to see maybe next to no one um, in Arizona. Maybe if you guys have permanent homes there that we don't know about, but this is likely the last week, unless they extend some of their leases or whatever, that we're going to see. A good portion, I imagine, of these players in
2: Arizona. Yeah, so that is kind of the current update. I I will note, as usual, not that this is any different, but I think I shouted this out the last time, but. Anthony Rizzo continues to use social media for the greater good. He's been doing a lot of raffles through his charity, the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation. So if you go on over to his Twitter, I think he's sharing these on Instagram as well, or you can Google the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation and check out the website. But he's been giving away a lot of bats, autographed bats, autographed jerseys, things like that. If you make a donation, you can enter the raffle and obviously, if you have the means to do that, want to try to win some Cubs gear, help Anthony out. He's raising money for the medical workers and professionals on the front lines here. He's donating food. As always, he runs a pediatric cancer charity. So he's doing a lot of good. And I want to make sure that I keep pointing that out because we are very lucky to have Anthony on our team. And it's very inspiring to see him pretty tirelessly. I mean, this has been every day. He's putting something out there multiple times. A day, trying to raise money and do something for the greater good. So he continues to be just a wonderful human being. That Anthony Rizzo of ours. So that I, I think is is really what we have here. I, I that's that's pretty much it. Steven Souza Jr. joined TikTok. Is that news? I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of grasping at straws here. But that's what I got. That that's pretty much as far as the current things go. That is really what we're looking at. And before we jump into kind of getting back on the past, I would certainly be remiss, Brendan, and I think you all know I was not about to let National Puppy Day go by without a shout out to our favorite puppy in the world, a friend of the Cubs Related Podcast. Really, Brendan, a friend to all. A happy National Puppy Day to Kevin he deserves deserve it. Taking yes. ourselves now out of the present day and the goings-on of the world. We are back in 2016. Ah, it feels good to be back in 2016, Brendan. I could watch these highlights pretty much any time. Though I will say, and I, and I was talking about this with some folks uh, the last, over the, over the weekend here, I don't really remember, and it might be never, I don't remember. Th- this is not the series we're going to be talking about, but just talking about the 2016 run. It's very difficult for me to rewatch the entirety of Game Seven, and I'm not positive that I've ever sat down and rewatched every single second of that game. I don't know if you're in the same boat or not, but it's it's very difficult for me to watch that entire game i know exactly where i was
1: and what i was thinking during some of these plays so to rewatch the entire game honestly it brings back some anxious moments but yeah i've never been a big let's go watch you know a three-hour game again and try to get through it i've always kind of
2: fast forwarded to the highlights and to the more beefy and important parts of the games yeah, I'm a, I mean I'm down to rewatch games from time to time, but specifically game 7, it is just such an emotional It's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it it difficult. is an emotional ride that most times when I'm just hanging out at home or sitting on my couch, even now when I'm only at home, I'd have to be in quite the mood to be like, "Okay, we're going to we're going to sit down and we are going to do this," right? I'm just going to sit through this whole thing. It would be an experience. I think I would come out on the other side uh, pretty pretty wiped emotionally from from that. But anyway, let's go back to that Giants series. So we only really talked about game 1 and I, there there's not necessarily too much I want to cover uh, until we get to game 4. Game 2, the Cubs beat Jeff Samarja at home, Kyle Hendricks drives in a couple runs in that game with the bat all around a pretty easy win that was a very fun night at Wrigley Field particularly fun to see them beat up on Jeff Sabarja you know especially given the way that that whole relationship ended with his time with the Cubs the Cubs lose Game 3 in San Francisco in 13 innings. Only thing I would make sure to never forget about that particular game, and it's a couple of plays that, because it's a loss, maybe get forgotten a little more than they should be. Uh, but Jake Arrieta takes Madison Bumgarner deep for a three-run home run in that game, not to be forgotten. And in the ninth inning, with the Cubs trailing, Chris Bryant hits a game-tying Home run. Hold on, Re- repeat that for me. You said I know. Chris Bryant, I know it's game tying home run. Yeah, right it's pretty crazy okay. because a lot of times <laughs> people know. say wow. that he's not clutch and he doesn't get hits in big moments or it's only when the Cubs are losing. So yeah, I I am I'm, I'm looking at the notes here and it is a fact that in the ninth inning of a playoff game with the team trailing on the road, he hit a game tying home run. So there you go. In the ninth inning, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that takes us to game four, which they aired the other night. And this, of course, sends the Cubs to the NLCS with a three to one series victory over the Giants. And the big story in this one is, of course, the Cubs comeback in the ninth inning, the top of the ninth inning of this game, and they enter the inning trailing five to two. They leave the inning trailing six to five. But before we get there, I, I think it's it's always interesting to talk about, and and I always mention this, about how dicey the MLB playoffs are. And I think this game, I, I said on the last episode that this particular series is is perhaps the best microcosm and best example of that. But this game in particular, I think illustrates it really, really well. The Cubs do basically nothing against Matt Moore, who they should have done something against in this game on the road. And the entire time, really up until the ninth inning here, Brendan, you are staring at the possibility of a deciding game at Wrigley Field with a repeat of that game one matchup. The Cubs get the better of Johnny Cueto backing John Lester, but literally barely it's as razor thin of a margin as it possibly could be and if the wind was what a mile per hour stronger blowing in that night maybe that ball lands in Pagan's glove instead of the basket and who knows how that all plays out right so this game in particular was terrifying I I certainly was in a worse mental state at different points in this playoff run But watching this game was absolutely terrifying. Thinking of the prospect that they were going to have to play a deciding game with the same matchup that produced a one-to-nothing win just a few days earlier. I was watching a game with
1: family in the eighth inning, and after they were doing nothing, I, I I couldn't be with like anyone. Like my brother and I were getting on each other's nerves. Couldn't do it. Left the place. Went back to my place, and I was listening to like the top of the ninth right when Chris Bryan was taking his at-bat and my cell phone service goes out so I only I I hear Chris Bryan get on base and then cell phone service goes out and at this point I'm just like sprinting up to my uh, apartment at the time And I finally I get in right before the next batter and I see everything go into place but in that eighth inning I already accepted it I already accepted that we were going to a game five. We were facing Johnny Cueto, and we would have to be put through another elimination game. Like That that was the only outcome in my mind. I I know it sounds negative, but I never even imagined the Cubs could come back in that three-run deficit. I really could not imagine that given what we saw the entire series. It wasn't even that game against Matt Moore. The offense seemed like overmatched at times at least in that stretch that was such a weird series and postseason in general Mm -hmm. but during those few games i don't know about you but i almost felt helpless at times there's great news during the pandemic the new
0: hypermax oxygen system is here doctor approved clinically tested at home oxygen for improved health fitness and especially your immunity go to hypermaxoxygen.com see how 300 percent more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes you're home anyway so why not build your immunity and much more hypermaxoxygen.com that's hypermaxoxygen.com each of us has a purpose
2: Concerned. Right. yeah it, right. it was it was terrifying i mean i use that word and i don't use it lightly it was a very scary game to watch and just very frustrating because you're you're just trying to will them like you guys have to hit Matt Moore. Otherwise, you, you ha- literally have to beat Johnny Cueto. And then you're again. thinking
1: to yourself, if you can't hit Matt Moore, then you're not going to hit Johnny Cueto like <laughs> this. This is not a good sign here.
2: Yeah, it was particularly scary and frustrating. But as the team had showed throughout the 2016 regular season and as we certainly know about them as the playoffs go on, they were special. They had something in them, and they did have that never-quit attitude. Even if if it's a cliche, the 2016 Cubs embody that perhaps more than anybody, and they prove it in the top of the ninth. So I want to take you through the top of the ninth here. Quick stroll down memory lane, if you will. And it all starts, and there's something rather beautiful about the way this all comes together because the inning starts with Derek Law on the mound and if you haven't been re-watching these games and you don't remember Derek Law was shown Brendan a billion times in the San Francisco Giants dugout especially in the game three that they win waving that stupid orange towel and screaming, turning to the audience and stuff like that, like on the top step of the dugout as boisterously and obnoxiously as he possibly could. Now, granted, if this, if he was on the Cubs, I, you know, he's, it's the playoffs, he's on the Giants. I'm not, I I, I get it, right? But when you're the other team, I, he certainly comes off as obnoxious, right? I think most of us would agree. Anyway, it was a big thing in that series and, let me tell you, Cubs fans knew that name by the time that series was over, and I think a lot of us remember that now. But he starts the top of the ninth, and things start off with the aforementioned Chris Bryant, who singles on a ground ball to left field that removes Derek Law from the game. Anthony Rizzo is walked, so the Cubs now have runners on first and second. And it is Ben Zobrist who doubles to right field. Bryant scores. Rizzo to third. We get another pitching change, and it is Wilson Contreras who singles to center field. Again, the Cubs trailed 5-2 to two at the beginning of this inning. Wilson drives in Rizzo and Ben Zobrist. That ties things up at five. Jason Hayward bunts off of Will Smith. It is a terrible, terrible bunt uh, that Jason is uh, lucky that this play turns out the way it does, but right back to the mound, they go to try to turn the double play, and the normally extremely sure-handed Giants middle infield, including Brandon Crawford, throw the ball away. And Jason Hayward finds himself on second base and one of my favorite at-bats of all time. Brendan, it is Javier Baez versus Hunter Strickland. Hunter gets Javi into an 0-2 count. And Brendan, you have to think that after with two strikes, wasn't an 0-2 count, but with two strikes, Johnny Cueto throws Javi a fastball in game one and it is destroyed. The only run in that game so you have to think there's no way on an 0-2 pitch especially 2016 Javi right there's no way that Hunter Strickland is going to make the mistake of throwing him a fastball right and he did and he did he throws him a fastball Javi singles to center Jason Hayward scores and that is all that she wrote and the Cubs bring in Aroldis Chapman the closer at the time who gets three swinging strikeouts, all in order. That's it. The game and the series are over. Cubs advance to the NLCS. That was one of those moments. Again, there were there were a lot of them throughout the regular season and certainly in the playoffs. And I think this kind of goes without saying, just given the the gravity. I mean, it literally wins a series. But if you were unconvinced that this team was special and perhaps different than Cubs teams of the past— I think that comeback in the top of the ninth should have given you at least a a sneaking suspicion that this team was different. That year, Javi was using a
1: B-hack. So if you go back and look at those at-bats, when Javi gets down behind the count, and specifically an 0-2 count, he kind of closed his stance up and then He did not take any stride with his front foot. It was almost like what Albert Pools has done his entire career. Gently lift up that toe and then initiate your swing. And that was something we saw through, I think, a little bit of 2017 as well. We don't see that from Javi these days, uh, especially last year on those 0-2 counts. He's still using that uh, stride, that open stance. But again, 2016, he gets behind the count. He shortens up that swing, takes no stride. And we saw the benefit of that. Even in 2017, he had that one clutch hit against Milwaukee towards the end of the year, similar against an outside fastball with that uh, no stride approach. So that was the start of Javi really understanding how to adjust. I know he's not using the same methods these days, but it showed at the time he was willing to adapt and willing to make changes and drastic changes to get through some of these difficulties. And against an 0-2 pitch. And again, even though it was an 0-2 pitch, that was a that 99-mile-per-hour fastball, mm. Corey. It wasn't like, oh yeah, he's looking fastball in 0-2. Like maybe for most players, like Manny Ramirez, for example, sometimes he just sat on breaking pitches. Yeah. And if there was a fastball, there then so be it. But Javi, we don't even know if he was looking for a slider either. Maybe he just reacted to that as well. And that was, again, one of the, the more emblematic moments for me of Javi Baez's career that that 2016 postseason put Javi on the map for me and that was one of the first moments that kind of solidified
2: him being on that map right and it it's just such a special inning and I think really representative of the the team as a whole it starts with Brizzo getting on base Ben Zobris with a big hit and then the two biggest hits in the inning come from guys that don't have all that much experience, right? Wilson Contreras is literally in his first year in the major leagues. And even at the time, Javi had not been, you know, he's not where he is now, right? He wasn't playing yeah. every day throughout the season and in 2015. And the two of them come up and get just enormous, enormous hits in this game and to move the Cubs on. And that was a that was a fun series. Javi and Wilson,
1: right? They kind of came... And I want to use my words carefully here because we knew Javi was a top prospect, but they, they did come sort of like out of nowhere. And Javi solidified his role as a second baseman the entire postseason. But for a good portion of 2016, they they were not staples. Of course, Wilson was still in AAA until he was called up in June, but like they were not staples. And both of those guys in particular, they were going through enormous transitions in 2015. Wilson was someone in AA and AAA who was not even a power hitter. Look at him now hitting over 30 home runs, potentially, on a year-to-year basis. And Javi changing everything on a year-to-year basis after having one of the most historical whiff rates in Major League history when he debuted in 2014. These are two guys who really may not have even been there, if not for the Cubs at the time, their coaching staff, their infrastructure, and that was something that was missing. In 2017, 2018, and of course 2019. And those two players, Wilson and Javi, if we can get more of those coming up through 2020 and 2021, that's how this team gets put
2: together. Yeah, absolutely. So we move on to the NLCS featuring the Chicago Cubs and the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Brendan and Corey Super Bowl, if you will. (laughs) And boy, was this series fun. As I said, they are through game four as we're recording this. They're game one and game four, the games that the Cubs win in that series. And I think really the only thing to talk about in game one is the Montero Grand Slam and just how that all plays out. And it's such a, that's a wild game, right? The Cubs take an early three to nothing lead. The Dodgers come back uh, they tie the game off of Chapman, but he escapes, keeping the game tied in an otherwise pretty uh, unescapable situation late in that game. And then we get one of the—I I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here—one of the greatest moments in Cubs, Wrigley Field, whatever you want to—however you want to phrase that, I'm fine with anything you want to put on that Miguel Montero Grand Slam. But I, I, I want to talk about how we lead up to that. Because I think it's it's kind of fascinating, right? First of all, Joe Blanton, forever a friend of the Cubs-related podcast. Blanton, yeah. Throw that, keep throwing that slider, man, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But so Ben Zobris starts the inning with a double. Addison Russell grounds out. Jason Hayward is intentionally walked. Which th- there's some there are some decisions in this inning, and that's why I wanted to run through the whole thing because I, I think in a lot of these playoffs. And sometimes justifiably so, though it is not my hobby or Brendan's to relitigate Joe Madden's decisions. But Joe Madden gets a lot of flack for the way he managed certain things, especially Game 7 of the World Series, which is a sub-note, the Cubs win and win the World Series. They won the World Series, yeah. So I do want to focus on another manager making pretty obviously bad decisions because I, I think it's only fair right, if we're going, if Joe is going to face that much scrutiny, even though the Cubs end up winning the whole thing, right, I think it's only fair to ask what on earth Dave Roberts was thinking in this inning. Not only does Joe Blanton just get this entire thing, right, but an intentional walk to Hayward, who had had obviously a down year, right, and then an intentional walk to Chris Coughlin, to get Montero to yeah. pinch hit for Chapman, to get rid of Chapman, right? But this is just—you set all this up, right? Like, Dave Roberts sets up this moment. You have two intentional walks, and, like, Coglin was, you know, a good bat for the Cubs that, that year. I think a lot of people forget how many games he started in these playoffs. That's, like, one of those things that seems to come up when they're airing these games. Like, Chris Coughlin started this game, <laughs> right? But— Brendan, like, you set up this insane, like, baseball world-changing moment in the Montero Grand Slam with two intentional walks of guys that, dare I say, y- you probably just should have gone after. Yeah. And how that
1: inning started too. of course, Ben Sobris, a double, the center field, getting it going. But when Dave Roberts walked Hayward, the win... Probability for the Cubs went up two percent. Right. And then Javi Baez flied out right after that intentional walk. Chris Coughlin comes up, intentionally walked. Now the win probability went up almost seven percent. Then <laughs> history is made, Miguel Montero takes that grand slam, adds thirty-six percentage points to their win probability, getting it to ninety-nine percent. And that, that was that was the game right there. And you can make the argument, too, that the matchup between Mickey and Blanton was way more favorable for the Cubs than it would have been for uh, Blanton versus Coglin or Blanton versus uh, Jason Hayward. It's, it's remarkable that Dave Roberts made those decisions. And living in L.A. at the time, I tune in because I want to hear what some of these local guys are saying. And they were besides themselves when they had those two intentional walks. So... Thank you to Joe Planton and Dave Roberts at that time. But you were going to say that that was probably one of the best moments of Wrigley Field history. I I would put that, you know, we're younger here, but that has to be top three at least. Right, man? Like a go-ahead game one NLCS grand slam by who, who at the time was about to be the backup catcher for the Cubs. Uh, the second backup catcher that is with David Ross there. But unbelievable how that, that how that entire moment turned out and With Miggy, like he just missed before that grand slam, the same exact pitch, just missed it and got the same exact pitch and didn't miss it that time. So I don't know what La was taking at the time. I don't know what Blanton was sneaking at the time, throwing the same pitch there. Well, but I am
2: forever grateful. So it, it 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 goes back to some of this decision making and and why I pointed it out. Like you have to pitch differently when you load the bases, and and that's why yeah. normally I'm almost never a fan of intentionally walking the bases loaded. I get it that it it creates the play at home, and obviously it's nuanced. Many situations are different, but you force your pitcher in the zone you are doing that it's your choice to do that and almost always I'd rather my pitcher be pitching with runners on second and third trying to get out if the guy comes in the guy comes in rather than loading the bases and hoping you get a scenario where you can stop the run at home you you put so much pressure on these guys and I it, it again especially like if he were walking Rizzo and Bryant you're like okay he doesn't want to get beat by the big guys but you don't want to get beat by Hayward and Cogland and and you're just so desperate to get Chapman out of the game like this is the game right this yeah. moment this is the game like you have to get out of this situation or you're heading to the top of the ninth on the road trailing and that's the universe that we end up in, because after Montero misses the slider on the L one pitch, he does not miss when Joe Blanton throws it again. And I tweeted this the other day, and I think I've said this on this podcast before, but I had, whether you want to call it the fortune or misfortune, uh, when I was 12 years old of attending Game 7 of the 2003 NLCS with a friend <laughs> of mine, and... I always thought, and I told people this, that Kerry Wood hitting the game-tying home run in that game was the loudest, not even just sporting event, it was the loudest and craziest thing I had ever witnessed in person. And I assumed, how is anything going to top that unless the Cubs hit a walk-off home run to win the World Series at Wrigley Field at some point in my life, right? And it's... I don't know. I Like, I was 12 when the Carey Wood one happened. Uh, I was, what? How, I'm trying to do quick math here for you all. 25 when the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. So kind of hard for me to give an exact comparison. But the Montero one is either close or better, right? It, it's hard to say. But that was when people use the phrase that it was bedlam or the place was up for grabs whatever you want to say that is really how that felt and and whether you were there uh like i was lucky enough to be or you were watching at home listening on the radio whatever i i think you already know that it was absolute pandemonium when that ball yeah. got out and i was texting with my friend ryan who i was at the game with uh, not Cubs inside Orion Ryan. I have a lot of friends that are named Ryan. But just for, for those of you that... <laughs> I even, was going
1: to say, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay.
2: for those of you that even get that reference. But I, I was texting him the other day because we were watching this, this clip and the minute that ball hit the bat, because, I mean, he killed that ball. That was way out. I remember I just started punching him on the arm and going, oh my God, oh my God. Like he just hit a grand slam. Like th- this just really happened. And it was just absolute pandemonium and of course Dexter Fowler follows that with a back to back home run again off the <laughs> I open felt open. like half of Wrigley again I'm watching this on TV so I'm not
1: there like you are but I felt as if half of Wrigley was not even paying attention no. to that home no run. people were not paying
2: attention because that one goes to like the basket near that video <laughs> yeah. board in people right field still and 100% yeah. people were still freaking out and not even paying attention people were literally like tapping each other on the shoulder going yo they hit another home run like you know <laughs> that was so absolutely Absolute pandemonium. I have I, I again it's it's really hard because of such a long gap. And like I, I was only twelve when the Carrywood Wood one happened, so I it's it's hard to put them against one another. But that was insane. Just absolute insanity. And that is one of those plays where if somebody said, I have a thousand. In person videos of that moment. I will watch every single one of them. You could send me a million of them and I would watch every single one of them. I don't care what the view is, I don't care what the quality is on the video. Just hearing the crowd go absolutely nuts is so amazing. That was such an incredible moment. And Montero has a couple of those in in these playoffs spoiler alert he has another one a little bit down the road but he made the most of of the uh kind of rare opportunities that he got in the 2016 playoffs with obviously Wilson Contreras and David Ross getting the lion's share of the playing time at the catching position but it it goes without saying a a big thank you to Dave Roberts for whatever 4d version of chess he was playing in that inning because boy did that not work Um, and Joe, Joe Blanton, man, I love it. Keep, keep (laughs) keep going with that slider, dude. Like anytime you want to call that, we're here for it. But I, 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 we, we debated this before and I don't want to derail completely, but that's, that's gotta be a a top home run in Chicago Cubs history. No, I don't know. I don't don't know know if you would put it at the top, especially because like there, there's ones in game seven. Even of just 2016. And I mean, you can go back so many years. Cubs have a very long history. But that was a tie game in game one of the NLCS with a very game Los Angeles Dodgers team. And even if you lose that one and win the next one, which they don't, right? Because you get Kershaw in game two, right, you still yeah. have at some point, whether it's one to one, 2 0, 0 2, whatever it is, you got to go to Los Angeles for three games. So. Not only is this just a a bottom of the eighth inning game tie breaking grand slam with two outs and two strikes, but this is a series altering moment, a season altering moment, a baseball altering moment for Miguel Montero here. And it comes after two. The Cubs had just blown the game in the eighth inning,
1: so Chapman's already in. He came in the top of the eighth with a bases loaded, no outs jam. Gets Corey Seager to strike out. Follows up, gets Yasiel Puig to strike out. Now you have two outs. Base is still loaded. And unfortunately, he gives up the single to Adrian Gonzalez. Tie game, 3-3. Three, three. So you're already deflated at this point. And you're looking at Kershaw the next day. You're looking at where the Cubs are within that moment in the eighth inning. And you're doing the mental math. Maybe I'm the only one doing the mental math. But you're doing the mental math thinking, we, we are not in a good situation right. here. We're going to have Chapman go multiple innings in a tie game, and the Cubs don't win this game, you're facing Kershaw the next day. And now the series, if they don't win that game too, you're going down 0-2 to Los Angeles. This is this is not a good thing. So the magnitude of that moment, of that Grand Slam, was huge. It was a huge relief and a huge stamp. Like, you know what? The Cubs are here. No matter what happened, even if they blow a few games, this offense is not going to let this go. And that's what happened. And plus two, that Grand Slam came after A game that they just came back in after Game Four of the NLDS, so they already had two comebacks basically. So you have these two momentous, historical comebacks, and you're propelled into the rest of the series. That's why it was so big. It was keeping the momentum going, keeping like the energy. This is all from a fan perspective, by the way. But you keep that fan energy going, and you just get more confidence. Like after they won that game one, I'm thinking, okay, like even if they lose Game Two. I still feel pretty good about where they are, even going back to L.A. And, of course, I show up to Rikley Field for Game 2 with you the next day. They get shut out. Of course, that happens. But even during that loss, you're thinking to yourself, everything's still going to be okay.
2: Right. And so a little inside baseball for you. The Game 2 against the Los Angeles Dodgers in that NLCS was the first time that Brendan and I had met In person, despite having done the podcast at that point for... Not many times, though. I would say maybe, what, like 10 episodes? Not even. No, we had been going since, I think, before the 2016 season started. Yeah, sporadically. but Sure. Either way, it was the first time that we had met. And boy, was that weird. Uh, (laughs) I would assume that if someone was sitting around us or if you had like a closed circuit camera on the two of us, you would think that we were at the game separately. Because especially because of the the low scoring nature of the game and just obviously it's a Cubs playoff game, we probably said two words to one another, uh, and both. I mean, that's the,
1: the, it's it's the context. It's yeah, like, of course, I don't want, like like even if I were to go in with anyone else, I would
2: not even be talking. So you have right. two psycho fans yeah. <laughs> going <laughs> right. to the
1: game together. This is what you get. Right?
2: Two two the no talking. Two people that look like they probably belong in a mental hospital, and <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we probably were just like, okay, see ya. Like, after the game, like, I don't I don't want to talk about this. Like, just... It, it's good to go with people who get you, I think is, is the point that I'm yeah. making. Uh, I mean, would you have preferred to me to talk to you? Hell no. no. Of course not. No. no. We both exactly. we both understood. We both knew what, yeah. what each other needed in that moment.
1: Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.
0: Using an overpriced trash bag? Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks? Whippy, whippy, wimpy! or a smelly bag stinky 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 you gotta snag hefty's ultra strong trash bag always at an ultra low price hefty
2: hefty hefty
0: it has arm and hammer odor control so your nose and your wallet will be
2: happy happy,
0: happy. hefty ultra strong trash bags hefty strong all day long.
2: So, of course. (laughs) Anyway, uh, not a lot to talk about in Game 2 and 3. The Cubs get shut out in both of those games, one at Wrigley Field, one at Dodger Stadium. And I got to say, I I went to uh, all of the games in this series uh, because my parents live out in Los Angeles. And Game 3 in Los Angeles was just about my worst experience watching a baseball game. Uh, The Cubs lose 6 to nothing. And they then trail 2-1 in the series, having not scored a run in two straight games. And you guys, if I'm not—I don't need to go on my i hate dodger fans and dodger stadium rant, you guys have heard it enough— but boy, was that a miserable evening and a miserable experience. But it all turns around in Game 4, October 29th, 2016. The tides turn in this series and perhaps in baseball forever. The Cubs win 10-2 in this game, and it is spurred by a four-run fourth inning. So the Cubs enter the top of the fourth inning of this NLCS having not scored in 21 straight innings no runs in game two no runs in game three and no runs for the first three innings of this game they are also at the start of the top of the fourth inning being no hit by the Los Angeles Dodgers starter <laughs> Julio Rias and then Ben Zobrist steps to the plate he talked after the game about having thought about doing this finding the right moment, and wanting to try this. And he finds the right moment in the top of the fourth. And if you look up a textbook bunt for a hit, this is what comes up. It literally, if you rolled it, the cliche is you couldn't roll it out there any better, and you couldn't. Justin Turner comes in, tries to get it. It's too far for Maeda to range off the mound and get it. Justin Turner does range in and get it, but there is not a universe that he is going to throw Ben Zobrist out in, even though Ben Zobrist isn't that speedy. That's how good of a bunt this was. He gets on. The Cubs score four runs in this inning, and yada, yada, yada. That is how game four goes in this series. We tie things up at two in the series. This is also the game, like I said, where Adrian Gonzalez is thrown out at home by Jason Hayward, and Wilson Contreras gets the tag down. That is... Great
1: throw, by the way. An underrated throw by Jason Hayward.
2: Yes, and it's it's a very famous... because Adrian Gonzalez, after the game, as he was wont to do uh, pretty often for whatever reason, uh, whined about it on Twitter. And in doing so, he shared a photo that his caption was, somehow this isn't out. Uh, But in the photo, it's a picture of his hand with a shadow under it. And it's (laughs) pretty clear, if you were only looking at that, right it, it appears that Wilson's glove is touching him on the upper arm you can see the shadow underneath his hand so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a cell a phone there but uh listen uh you know, I, I don't know. Adrian has a weird had when he was playing, a weird Twitter presence. It's just kind of how it was. Yeah. But that was in the bottom of the second so that gets them that gets John Lackey out of that. He keeps it scoreless until Ben Zobrist bunts in the top of the 4th. The bunt is followed by a Javi Baez single, a Wilson Contreras single that scores Ben Zobrist. A Jason Hayward ground out that scores Baez and an Addison Russell two run home run. The Cubs, as I said, leave that inning with a four to nothing lead. They go on to win ten to two. In game five in Los Angeles, the Cubs win eight to four, and that puts them on the doorstep of winning. The National League pennant. I believe that that. I assume that game is airing tonight on Monday. I. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the marquee schedule in front of me. But they're airing only the wins, and that's the next win. So I'm thinking that that is up next, and this one is on the strength of Yeboah. Number 34, the left-hander, John Lester. And Brendan, one of my favorite games of John Lester's career, and it is one of my favorite games because this is the game where I think the the narrative, right, we're going to run all over John Lester, right? Jock Peterson was dancing like a clown off of the base in this game, but... Trying to bunt two and everything. Right. But you know what when you claim you're going to run all over a guy, right? The issue with that is that you still have to figure out a way to get hits, and you still have to figure out a way to get runs across the plate. And not only did they not, they they don't run all over anybody, right? That just isn't something that happened, even though they claimed that that was going to be some big thing that they were going on. But uh, they get two steals off of... John Lester in this game. Not, nothing crazy. And uh, again, the, the the issue here is that John Lester goes seven innings, he only allows five hits, and they only score one run. So for all this talk about this big game plan that they had, doesn't work, right? You still got to figure out a way to get runs and John wasn't, wasn't having it. So nope. that was another big game. And we talked about big games pitched by John Lester. And this was another one. And that might be my favorite Cubs game I've attended in person in ever. Yeah. And we ended Corey. up watching yeah. this one, the end, together. Uh, we did, in, yeah. In, you know, some wretched part of Dodger Stadium. <laughs> but the big stuff in this game uh, is a, an Addison Russell home run, uh, a two-run home run that puts the Cubs up 3-1. to one. That gives them the lead. Uh, and then the Cubs get some big hits in the top of the eighth to lengthen that lead a Dexter Fowler RBI single a Chris Bryant RBI single and a Javi Baez double that brings in three runs so those are kind of the the big blows in this game and this was a fun one yeah Uh, this is one where at the end you know, you and I were together at Dodger Stadium watching this uh, when the Cubs close it out, and it was a it was a pretty surreal moment. I, we've been there before, uh, unfortunately, it didn't uh, work out that way. But this is just the second time in our lifetime, Brendan, that the Cubs won a game that put them one win away, twenty seven outs from going to the World Series. And I think with how much we talk about the Cubs winning the World Series, how much we joke about that, it's 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 somehow kind of easy, I guess, to forget how things used to be for us and how foreign that felt and how far away the idea of them finally winning the World Series, even just getting to the World Series, how it fe- how far away that felt at times. And when they got that last out, it was one of those things where it was like, okay. I'm going to fly back to Chicago, and I'm going to go to Wrigley Field and watch the Cubs try to go, win, go to the World Series. And it was a rather surreal feeling in that moment, but one that I would not have wanted to experience anywhere else than Dodger Stadium. Yeah. And what was so beautiful is that the Cubs were up—they uh, were up 8-2 to two heading into the ninth inning— it ends up eight to four, but it doesn't really matter. And the stadium by the end of it is only really the remaining Cubs fans. And they've all kind of congregated in in, in one area down the first baseline and, and still scattered throughout the stadium. But all the Dodger fans mostly had gone home. I remember running through the concourse afterward and high-fiving people. People singing Go Cubs Go, waving their W flags. It was so beautiful and such a perfect scene and a setup for one of my favorite baseball games of all time, which is game six that follows at Wrigley Field.
1: The Javi Baez bases clearing double just before you and I head down to the Cubs dugout side. That is among some of my most favorite memories in baseball like ever ever. And I've, of course, played the sport my entire life, gone to so many games. That basis clearing double was remarkable. After that happened, you see thousands, Corey, no exaggeration, thousands of fans head to the concourse area, to the exits to get out of there. And going down to the dugouts in the ninth inning, seeing all the players that close, and you're knowing that you're one game away from the world series and you've been waiting for that moment since you were a kid since 2003 and there's 13 years that passed between then and that current moment and you're just thinking like wow like you're here experiencing that this close right up front in the action and that that was again for, for me that that is my favorite cubs game of all time and game five the game five okay. right there because because i'm again this is me in attendance at a sure. game so that that was something i'll never forget and the energy there given everything that you and i have been through at Dodger stadium it just makes it so much sweeter and at that point when they won that game like you're you're fully committed like you you think there's no way this team can lose two games in a row given the offensive explosion after that type of uh, malaise, if you will. There was there was no way, Corey, that they were going to lose the next two games at Wrigley Field with their pitchers, with that offense going, with the energy going.
2: That for for me was like, okay, there's no doubt in my mind, this is going to happen. Tuesday night, they are airing NLCS Game Six, and that is where Brendan and I will pick up the conversation in our next episode. Uh, but that is my one of my favorite Cubs games of all time, one of the best experiences. I have ever had, not just at Wrigley Field, but that is one of the best nights of my life. That was such a perfect evening that I don't want to rush that one. We're going to talk about that to begin the next episode. I'm going to go through that in detail. And then just to give you the rest of the schedule, if you're kind of either watching these games or just following along, because I know at Cubs has been tweeting highlights within these games kind of as they're happening on marquee and some of the other you know nbc chicago stuff like that are are kind of playing along so even if you're not watching you can kind of play along on social media wednesday they are airing the entire so up until this point they've only aired the wins they are airing the entire world series so wednesday is the game one loss six to nothing the indians win thursday game two Uh, Where the Cubs get their first World Series win in quite some time. And then Friday is game three, which is another uh, one to nothing loss. Too many one to nothing losses, Brendan. But anyway, so we'll talk about game six of the NLCS, and then we will head into the World Series. That, unfortunately, is a spoiler alert, guys. If you were waiting to watch this Dodgers series, the Cubs do win game six, and they head to to the World Series. So sorry if you were trying to watch this spoiler free. But anyway uh yeah i i think we need uh we need too much time for for game six because there's just so much that goes on in that game it's such a perfect evening of cubs baseball it's just absolutely perfect and i know that you know there's bigger nights that they win the world series later that month and and there's there's crazier games crazier moments etc but that night at wrigley field game six of the nlcs is about as close to a perfect evening of Chicago Cubs baseball as it possibly gets. It might literally be perfect. And it just it just warrants more discussion. It just warrants a lengthier discussion. So we will talk about that uh next time. Like I said, we have some we've reached out to some guests, we have some ideas Obviously, at some point, the Cubs are going to win the World Series here in this run. As a reminder, they do end up winning the World Series in this particular uh, stretch in 2016. And we will not be, we can always talk about it, but we'll move on to something else. But trust me when I say Brennan and I will will figure it out. Might get all kinds of random up in here. We got different games and all sorts of weird thought exercises that we can try to at least facilitate some discussion, but we'll figure it out. We will have an hour of Cubs related conversation one way or another. Perhaps at some point we get a clearer picture of what things might look like going forward for Major League Baseball, even if that's, they start to, you know, kind of figure out, okay, this is, you know, April's not happening or May's not happening. And we kind of get more discussion on that. We will certainly break that down. As we discussed, I think in the first episode of this process, there's going to be a lot of questions for baseball to answer. Some very serious ones and ones with uh, some long lasting implications. uh, Stuff about contracts, service time, what they're going to do if they have a schedule at all here so they're at some point even if it's just canceling things there's going to be current stuff to talk about that that we will delve into as well But we are going to do our best. As I said at the outset, uh, we are just trying to distract, pass the time, entertain both ourselves and you guys, and certainly in no way, shape, or form trying to diminish what is going on in the world around us or at all pretend that baseball and the many things going on within it, either now or in the past, are at the top of the priority list but this is what brendan and i know best i guess and this is where we're gonna focus our attention so i think that is all that we have for you if, been, if you've been watching these games or at least just watching some of the highlights i know for, for some of these games at cubs on, on twitter at least is sharing at least a few fun highlights the the comments are a lot of fun and hopefully you're able to enjoy and engage with that And we will keep on rolling here. But that, I think, is all we have for you in this particular episode. As I said, do what you can to stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, Brendan and I sincerely hope that however this is affecting you, whether it is uh, a, a large effect on you, a small effect, no effect, whatever it is, we hope you guys are all right. You guys are able to take care of yourselves and your loved ones, and uh, we are very grateful, especially during this time, that you spend a little bit of it with us. So stay safe, guys. We're all in this together. We will talk to you guys later this week. And uh, as always, Go Cubs!
0: It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.